From the Multiply family of churches, we are Behind Open Doors, a podcast designed to take you behind the scenes, discovering what it takes to multiply disciples, leaders, and new churches. We're located in the U.S., the Hampton Roads region of Virginia. Visit us at multiplythechurch.com. My name is Aaron Denini, Executive Director of the Multiply Family of Churches, and we want to jump right in and give our listeners a taste of what this new podcast is all about. We want to help you multiply, and it begins with multiplying disciples. Let's start with a couple of assumptions that we want to agree on uh, moving forward from here at the beginning of this first episode. Assumption number one is that Jesus' call to Christians in the classic Great Commission text, that is Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the one that is referenced a lot in our Multiply Churches, is to make disciples of all nations. As a follower of the way of Jesus, if you've never considered this a responsibility of yours, we want to begin with that assumption. The Lord has called us all to make disciples. But how do we do that? Well, the rest of the Great Commission text gives us the answer, and that is go baptize, teach. Go into all the world, and that's a passive go, like as you are going into all the world, there's an assumption there as well. Across the street, across the globe, wherever you are, there are people that are far from God everywhere. Baptize. This is water baptism, right? Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, recognizing that symbolic, putting one's old self to death and being raised to new life. Uh, There's something more than symbolism going on there. Baptism is a topic of another future conversation. And teach. Teach what? Teach these new followers to obey the ways of Jesus. And we find the ways of Jesus in the written Word of God, the Bible. So we want to make sure that we are all assuming on the at the top of this, that we are Great Commission Christians. Assumption number two is that we got to agree that the Bible is God's Word, y'all, because Jesus and the God of the Bible came as the God-man here on earth in dwelling flesh, the very Word of God made flesh. That is, He is the truth, love, mercy, grace of God personified, and He sent His Spirit to indwell His people And with the guidance of the Spirit, followers of Jesus and the writers of the New Testament wrote down all that He commanded. It was tested in the churches of the day, and what stood the test of time, the authority and authenticity, comes now to us in the form of the written Word that we call the Bible. So we stand on the Bible as God's Word. We are great commissioned Christians that desire to get the gospel out to all nations. That is the good news that Jesus came, lived the life we couldn't live, died the death that we all deserved, and was raised to new life so that upon our belief in Him, we could be reconciled to the Father and have life again. So, all the followers of the ways of Jesus are called to make disciples by going on mission, baptizing new believers, teaching them to obey the commands of Christ found in the written Word of God. Here at Behind Open Doors, we are agreeing on these truths in order to multiply discipleship in a healthy biblical manner. One of the ways we're using this podcast is to point to, explain, and teach tools for disciple-making that will be helpful for you, the listener. We'll have plenty of fun along the way, of course, addressing current events, newsworthy opinions, advertisements that are relevant to our churches and the Multiply family, and maybe even some old movie quotes or sports references will work their way in. Who knows? But what we do know is that we are called to help you multiply yourself as a disciple of Jesus. So your first assignment, then, is to go to multiplythechurch.com, where you will find the podcast page, along with a page titled Equipping, that will give you access to our disciple-making toolbox. 
check out the toolbox, work through the resources. There you can find tools for explaining the gospel both to you and to others. Study guides for walking through the basics of discipleship one-on-one and one-on-a few with other people, and more in-depth methods of counseling along with the most effective tool we use for disciple-making called core groups. So check it out. Give us some feedback, by the way. Let us know in social media or uh, by emailing info at multiplythechurch.com and let us know uh, how you like the toolbox and if it's working and what other things you'd like to see in there. Tell your small group leaders, ministry leaders, pastors, all of this is designed to help you multiply disciples. Now, we started a podcast. Why did we do that? Why now? And what's going on with that? So I'm going to bring in our director of missions, John Slinker, who is going to lay out for us the why behind the podcast, which begins in a van, not down by the river, but a van in India, actually. So tell us a story, John. Welcome to the podcast and uh, come with us behind open doors, folks, and we'll figure this thing out. Yeah, the word podcast was first thrown around in our circle in a van uh, with six people crammed in there for hours-long drives and and the conversation that was just Holy Spirit-led. Um, really led us to think that, man, we wish we could have all of our people listening in and engaged in that conversation with us. And so this is just one supplemental way that we want to be able to bring the conversation to our people to uh, Ephesians 4, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry with a John 14, 12 mentality that they will do greater works than us. Um, So um, ultimately, those conversations um, led to us moving to Hampton Roads. That that first conversation happened in August of 2017. That's right. Yeah. Um, in India, in South India, along along God's country. Um, and but the very first ones, if you remember, I'll take you back a little bit farther. In okay. 2012, wow. when we first met, um, and God knit our hearts together for this call to to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. We went to India the first time together, and we were over there, and we were seeing God do an incredible work. And Yo, that was 10 years ago this that's, summer. That's you're crazy. right. That's crazy. Um, we're dating the podcast a little bit at that point, but Matt. man, that is, uh, whew, yeah. man, so, lots happened in 10 years. Um, and, and lots of vans and long yeah. car rides and, and conversations, and really, I think what's telling about that is it's just relationship, and it's spending time, and it's doing life with other people. Yeah. Um, that the Holy Spirit's really going to lead your conversation, um, and and get to get to places and think through things and and just throw ideas out. And uh, I think the reason why it works so well is because we knew it was a safe space, and that that took time of, of getting comfortable with one another. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So, what are what? Let's give an example of something that we talked about in that van um, that was just uh, like. Man, this is this is a really good example. So a lot of them were um, theology questions. Yep. Um, we had a new guy with us that was really curious about some theology. That dynamic um, was really fun. Yeah, because we we were able to then um, take the complex and try to make it simple in real time. Yeah, yeah, that was good. So and then others of it was like missiology, like why do we do mm-hmm. missions the way that we do? Yep. Um, now we were in India on a mission trip, so we all agreed that we should be doing that, but it was more along the lines of, well, why do they do church this way here, but we do church that way there? And um, and how do we reconcile those two? Are they both 
churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are very simple conversations now that thinking about it, but for some folks, people are just now digesting that or maybe just got exposed to a different cultural experience and mm-hmm. they see church happening in different contexts and they're like, is this okay? Like, are we allowed right. to do this? Right? Right. I think that's, I think the biggest thing is whenever you're in a new environment, it challenges yeah. your status quo. And when that happens, you have to go back uh, to the foundations of why do I believe this? Yeah. Why are my convictions set like this? Um, is it because of the context that I was raised in? Um, and now I'm in a new context. What do I do with all this? Right. And then, so that's why we have to start today by even giving out some assumptions, right? We are Amen. Great Commission Christians rooted in the Word of God and the Gospel, and so we have to go and do these things, not out of obligation, but because of our heart motivation and the heart changes happened, like Romans 1.16, the power of God unto salvation is the Gospel alone. And that's the only thing that can change a heart. And the yep. People make up a culture, so a lot of hearts need to be changed in order for a culture to eventually change. And um, mm-hmm. you know, it, one of the things that we've we've really uh, hung our hat on over the last several years is that in trying to um, change culture, we don't go in like guns ablaze and trying to change a bunch of stuff. We actually go in and create something new. Yeah. And so we we expect then, as people believe the gospel and believe in Jesus as Lord, that their heart change is going to then start to push out um, the bad in a neighborhood or in their community or even in a church for that matter. Unfortunately, in the West, we have churches that have been struggling for years because they haven't been centered on the gospel. So you get gospel-believing Christians that are now, or a gospel-believing pastor that comes in and he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're a church. We got to believe in Jesus, y'all, um, and believe in the gospel. And they're like, well, this, I like the country club vibe. Like, why do we got to do this? Yeah. You know? So people start believing in Christ and actually push out the old there as well. And mm-hmm. so change happens really in that kind of slow, methodical, long obedience in the same direction yes. kind of way. Yes. Um, and it's no different in India or Mexico or Rwanda or here in Hampton Roads. Um, the mission of God is going to be accomplished um, with or without you and I, John, right? Amen. <laughs> um, and, and according to his, his will and his glory. Yeah. Yeah, I think going into those contexts or that that culture, um, when I see Jesus do that, it's always with a humble posture. Um, but that's that's that doesn't mean weak, right? It was a sacrificial posture. Um, and I heard this about this definition of leadership just the other day that it's the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. Mm. And so when we go in and we want to help change a culture to be more gospel centered or gospel fluent, that we're going to talk about soon, is um, is going in and, and serving um, and making sure you, you are aware of what, what kind of culture are we trying to create? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So this, uh, this wanting to create this podcast now is, um, is really important in the timeline of things as we've, um, as we've kind of unveiled, um, taking a church like Ocean View Church, going from a traditional Southern Baptist church to being a church that's on mission and Great Commission supporting and planting new churches, uh, like Little Creek Church that is a part of our Multiply family, and the Grace Collective uh, that is a part of our family, um, and uh, and our simple churches that you are heading up that that are a part of our family. Um, we've got this family dynamic with 
you know, big brother like Ovi, um, you know, uh, and the two kind of little brothers happening that are growing strong. We just had a good meeting recently about about how those churches are, are growing and doing well, and we're excited about that. Um, but we're all a part of a family, and a family is uh, very unique. Um, we we sometimes fight like brothers too, right? And that's never. Uh, and that's never. okay. That's okay. We're nope. passionate about what we do, um, but we want to bring this um, this kind of behind the scenes approach and the, hence the name behind open doors approach uh, to our listeners so that we can understand um, uh, more practically what's happening in the churches and really understand some of the stuff we don't get to say from the pulpit or on a Wednesday night uh, service if we have that or whatever's going on. So um, just kind of explain if you will, just in brief form, the the core missionary task. Uh, we've said that in the past. Maybe uh, um, expand on that a little bit. What is the core missionary task, um, the mission of God? What is that? What is that all about, John? Yeah, well, I think the first place to start there is looking at our mission as the Multiply family of churches. It's to multiply disciples, leaders, and new churches. And so the core missionary task, I think, is rooted in the creation mandate that we are to be fruitful and multiply, that we're to fill the earth and have dominion over it. And uh, it's not just make warm bodies, right? It's not just to reproduce and multiply other humans, it's, it's worshipers. And so the core missionary task from Genesis 1 to Revelation is to worship God, um, follow Jesus, be obedient, and uh, make disciples, love your neighbors, and um, go to all the nations. Um, given the given the opportunities and and making the opportunities, yeah, and I think if we're going to go back to some of these assumptions as well, um, another assumption is that if we're multiplying disciples, leaders, and churches, um, we are multiplying the gospel within that, right? Let's just kind of state that outright as well. Like we are assuming that the gospel is being ingrained in our people through the word of God by good preaching, good teaching, good community, um, being on mission to your neighbors, whatever the case may be, and that the gospel is multiplying, um, similar to what Acts 12, 24 says, the word of God continued to spread and multiply, right? That's, that's what we're after. And the other, the other aspect of this, is identity. We, we have to understand our identity as, as um, ambassadors tasked with taking the, up the banner of the core missionary task, and, and that is so that um, all peoples might hear um, and have an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Yeah, that's so good. I could talk all day about this stuff, um, yep. and uh, we will uh, throughout this whole podcast. We'll talk about different aspects of this, um, but I think worth transitioning here is just to mention the the Luke ten two passage. Um, I don't know if you still have this, John, but I still have a reminder in my phone mm-hmm. um, at ten o two every day that comes up that says pray for laborers. Yeah. And um, if you go to uh, we went, we were at a conference one time, and we were in the morning session, and at ten o two all these phones start going off, and the, the teacher was distracted for a moment, and he's like. Let me guess, it's 10.02, right? Yep. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, yeah, we all had reminders in our phone. Um, so, but, but I think it's, it's really cool. Um, if that were to happen at a couple of our churches, it would go right off right before church started. So it's okay. <laughs> um, you, could, you could set that reminder and be good with that. So yep. what is Luke 10.2 exactly, and what is that um, speaking to us in this context? Yeah, it says, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So 
when it hits 10.02, uh, we stop and we pray specifically for God to raise up laborers to go um, across the street, to go into our neighborhoods, to go into our cities, and to go across the world. Amen. Amen. Well, again, we, we believe this podcast is important for you, the listener, because in the effort to teach to obey, we need all kinds of methods for people who learn in different ways. Whether it's Sunday morning, well, that's not going away, but it's not the only way to learn, right? Wednesday night is another way. Small group peer learning is so important, but it's another way. Core groups, uh, the one on a few, discipleship, this is great stuff. But this online-focused, conversational style, I think, helps take people take the truths of Scripture and apply to them and their lives more quickly, and in some cases, more practically, um, depending on the conversation that we're having. And so many times, John and I or other staff members will have conversations in the office uh, or on the phone, and we'll finish up with, man, I wish, I wish other people could have heard that. That was really good. It was edifying, not just for us yep. personally, yep. Um, in our connection relationally, but like, man, the church needs to hear some more of these kind yep. of conversations. And it's less, it's less that we've said something great that we think should be, should be hurt, but it's that the Holy Spirit was moving in that conversation and leading us to new ideas and new thoughts that we just we we feel like we have to share what the Holy Spirit's doing. Yeah, exactly. Well, you want these conversations? Now you can have them because here we are with behind open doors. And since I'm starting to sound like a salesman, it seems like a good time to take a break and highlight an announcement to put on the radar radar for all of our multiply churches. The first important announcement that affects all our churches is the upcoming Multiply campaign. Every year, we recommit a portion of our giving over and above the normal tithe to your individual church to the Multiply project. The campaign giving to Multiply funds about half of the yearly budget for our central operations, all in a collective effort to multiply new disciples, leaders, and churches in our area. This year, as you consider your giving beyond your regular general budget tithe to your church, we ask that you'd remember the efforts of Multiply and Kingdom Advancement here in Hampton Roads. There is so much more information to come about the campaign, so start by marking down May 22nd, which is our commitment day, and June 5th, where we will gather for our multi-church celebration service. Okay, one of the elements that we want to bring up in this podcast, um, maybe not every time, but a lot of times, is some statistics, all right? And so um, we have a statistic that's been um, tossed around for the last several weeks. I know at Oceanview Church, where, where I'm at, and I, I'm pretty sure Little Creek has touched on this as well, um, but, you know, Sundays are incredibly important to the life of the church, historically, culturally, and everything, especially in our kind of like um, Southern post-Christian context. It's weird how many people still have in their minds, even if they're not Christians, when church ought to happen, you know? And, uh, and you know, I know when Little Creek was starting, they were, they were getting responses like, well, we'll come and check you guys out when you, when you start your church. And what they meant was when you have a gathering on Sunday, yeah. right? And so people already kind of have in their minds that that is important. But interestingly... Um, the statistics over the last 10 years have plummeted when it comes to church attendance. And I want to talk about that just for a few minutes here um, with you, John, about uh, the <laughs> this statistic that blew my mind when I was reading a, a book recently. It said in the, over uh, 10 years ago, 
3.2 weeks per month was the average attendance on Sundays um, for the average for the average uh, attender Christian, yeah. right? 3.2 weeks per month 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. That has decreased now to 1.7 weeks per month. I know you can't actually go 3.2 and 1.7, but that's an average, clearly. Um, so 1.7 weeks. If you so, skip out like right. halfway through, if the sermon's <laughs> right. bad or something. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, that doesn't happen when I preach. Nope. Um, <laughs> so almost in half, uh, we've seen this this drop down as far as church attendance goes. So, yeah. so that means that the average person sitting in the pew might, might, be there twice a month. That to me is pretty alarming um, to say like, oh yeah, I'm part of that church. Yeah. And then you're only there 1.7 weeks out of the year that uh, per month out of the year. And that, that, I don't know what, why, what is the significance of this? Do you think? And, um, and what are we doing to, to adapt to this um, here at Multiply Family? Well, it's it's obvious. I read an article just this week for some uh, for a paper I'm working on, and it, it really portrayed that the relationship, America's relationship with the church is changing, and we, we need to look back at the scriptures to determine why and to figure out how to respond. Um, so at least Southern Baptist church membership is in its sharpest decline since the influenza pandemic in 1918. But researchers have categorized two different um, groups of Christians and how they would define Christians. Um, The sharpest decline is Christians who um, would go to church once every six months, um, and they're churched adults, and so they're not even really giving them a title of Christian, but it's churched adults, people who just go, and and they may be members, they may not be. Um, And then the others is... They go at least twice a month. Um, and then there's, you know, Barna has a lot of different um, delineations as far as what determines this kind of serious Christian um, beliefs in the word being authoritative and such. So how do we respond? Um, I, think, I think Jesus portrayed that it, it's not a come and see church service. It's a go and tell um, community. And, and we need to really show the world that we are for one another, um, life on life, in community. And this is not, like you said earlier, this is not just a country club place where we come and network and hang out and make sure we bring the family because, you know, my wife wants to bring the kids. It's, yeah. um, it's leading out as a man and, and caring for others um, and, and taking our families or um, just loving and uh and and being in that genuine community yeah yeah i think um one of the things that i think people have have missed over i don't know they'll just say this like the statistic the last 10 years or so is um like you're saying that this general gathering of uh of the churches is what church is like that is church, mm. and um, and I, Sunday I th- morning for two hours exactly is, is when and, church happens. And I would say I, this is not a, a clean breakdown here, but I would say that's about a third of what 
life in the body sure. should look like, right? So Fair. you have the gathering. If you're looking at concentric circles, I'm holding my hands apart here. You kind of go in to this next circle that is really like that small group setting, um, that group where you're really doing life on life with people. And those are the first people that you call when, when something bad happens. Um, and then that inner circle uh, that is more intimate space, maybe three or four people at the most, mm-hmm. usually um, uh, same gender that are meeting at a coffee shop or meeting uh, somewhere to just say, hey, how's your uh, how's your life going in the word? Um, what sins are you struggling with? And yep. how can we hold each other accountable to those things? Um, to me, that like, so going backwards then, the that intimate space, the more social or the more, yeah, social space of the small group setting and then the the gathering space, the public space, mm-hmm. I think those three are the, would, I would say, would be the most important for a really holistic approach to what's going on in church, quote unquote. So that 1.7 is not so surprising to me if people are thinking that only that Sunday gathering is what's important. And I think we've done a not so great job over the last, I don't know, several 20, 30 years of putting so much emphasis on Sunday and the show and it's Monday, but Sunday's coming, you know, like that kind of mentality (laughs) is, is, uh, I think what might have, um, started to push some people Mm -hmm. away because I think people are kind of sick of the show. You know what I'm saying? And that's, yeah. And that's the part of the relationship that is changing with America. And here's the, here's the neat part about the statistic is yes, the research is showing that the church is in sharp decline now. Um, but the numbers that are really showing themselves are the ones that aren't committed the right. committed Christians actually research is showing that they are staying like steel bar average. Yeah. Like it hasn't declined at all. In fact, there's a Harvard study that just came out a couple of years ago uh, that my mentor referenced in, in one of his papers. And it says that the church Christians are actually on the rise. Christianity mm. from a disciple making movement standpoint is actually increasing. Mm but a lot of churches are shutting their doors. Yeah. And so it's an interesting dichotomy or um, um, conundrum that, yeah. that churches seem to be dwindling, but Christians seem to be on the rise. Yeah. So what I hear you saying in some of that is it's a wheat and chaff kind of thing, right? And by the way, yep. I need to say this, I kind of forgot earlier, but this statistic came out before covid so this was not this was something that has been in the works over the last um, yeah, two years. COVID, or so. COVID didn't cause this. COVID's helping exacerbate the and accelerate it in yep. a way, right? And so we've real. I bet you this number is even worse now, right? Um, considering because I know that we've seen about two thirds of the people come back post COVID, um, and I don't intend on seeing that other third anytime soon probably not. you know and so that is somewhat exciting though um not that i want to lead a smaller church but uh but now i know at least the people that are there want to be there you know and uh i think that's important yeah facts um i appreciate your vulnerability on that i think other pastors feel the exact same way and um man it's always it's always helpful to know when you're when you're sitting on the bench in the middle of your game and it's time out and it's, it's March madness right now. Uh, but got that KU shirt on today. I see, by the way, you're welcome. Come on, man. So (laughs) when you're looking down the bench and you see all the other players on your team and you know, you can trust them and you know that they got your back as much as you got theirs. 
um, it does add excitement. Yeah. It adds, it adds a motivation. Uh, it's very encouraging. Yeah. That's good. Well, um, I think that's good. I think we could riff on that topic for a while. Um, because I think there are lots of multifaceted things going on that we could go into almost nationally as well, because that is a national statistic. I think it works out differently in different regions. Um, yeah. Our region is somewhat isolated from things like this because of our very transient culture that we have. I know our yep. church turns over about 25, 30% of people every year um, because of you know military coming in, college kids coming in and out. Um, and that that uh, we have a little bit of a buffer for us there because we're always bringing in new people. Yep. And so we're, we're seeing, we've been seeing frustrating attendance numbers for a while, regular attendance numbers for a while because of that. And so our region is different than, than maybe a region that's just, you know, in the staunch kind of Bible belt kind of section mm. of, the, of the country. Yeah. Know? And not to riff on it anymore, but I am. <laughs> Here we go. Um, I hadn't thought about the fact that we're used to people leaving. Yeah. And so we kind of had that built in before COVID happened. Yeah. And then, so I'm just, I'm starting to think more uh, with more empathy with other churches and pastors who might not have really ever experienced an exodus like this. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is something to, um, uh, to encourage others on for sure. Yeah. Well, um, lastly, in this little launch of a podcast. Um, we want to cover some current events, and um, we're going to focus more locally here uh, today on this one, um, and uh, we'll, we'll cover some more global stuff uh, as well at some point. Um, but, but John, you, you had an observation um, this week that uh, I think was, um, was helpful and um, also sad at the same time. So yeah, well, you, you actually had the opposite I had the very pessimistic observation that <laughs> driving around town, um, I, I grew up in, um, hmm, I grew up in a pretty wealthy neighborhood in Kansas City, and I was not privy to this. Now, when I was born, my parents brought me home to a trailer. Um, we were trying to work like crazy. My parents were just to put food on the table for for a while, but God bless my parents and um, went to a great school. And I've, this, is, this is a different context, so we're going back to culture and context. Um, but even living here for five years now in the Hampton Roads region, I have not seen what I've been seeing the past six months or so, maybe even longer than that. Um, and it's just starting to, to mull around in my mind, and, and I'm wondering why. So here's what it is. I'm, I've been driving around, and I've been seeing for the past couple of years, maybe once a month, maybe once a quarter, I'll see a ton of furniture. Uh, I know it's a military town, but these these aren't the military homes. I'm assuming they're not military families that are just moving and dumping all their furniture. That's that's not typical of of that. So, that's true, yeah. um, but I'm seeing mattresses. I'm seeing uh, dressers and TVs and um, couches and you name it, just on the sidewalk, um, on the street, ready for the trash to come pick up. And in the last few months, in this past week, it really just kind of hit me like, good night. After seeing three or four, like on the same street or on, on, a, on a 10 minute drive into work, what is happening? Why are like, are people getting evicted? Um, so is it, are they, is the economy hitting our neighborhoods that bad that uh, people aren't able to pay just their, their basic 
bills um, on a monthly basis. And um, I know it's hitting, I know it's hitting a lot of people. Um, but that's my question. That's, that's my observation. And you had a more uh, somewhat, <laughs> somewhat positive. I well, don't know if it's positive, but I just wonder, like, I mean, reason. I got, I got five kids, right? And so these last two years with the government money that's been coming in, mm. uh, I've been getting a good amount of it. Um, not that I needed it necessarily, but, you know, so we put some into savings and we paid some stuff off. And, yeah, and yeah we bought some stuff as well. And I, I, I just wondered if some of it was that people had a lot of excess um, over the last uh, year and a half or so. And I wonder if some of that excess is now hitting the curb. You know, um, I've, I heard somebody say one time that um, everything that you purchase is the stuff of future trash dumps anyway. Yep. And so uh, I think that's partially true um, for sure. Um, you could, you're not, you're taking away some of the sentimental value that things can have that can be positive unless you make it an idol, obviously. But yeah, I just wondered if, um, if people had some excess and they bought some stuff and the old stuff just needed to be tossed out and maybe, yeah. or maybe what they bought wore out fast, you know, and, uh, and maybe this was some of the folks that just didn't have a ton of discipline in their finances. And now you're seeing this stuff on the curb. I, I don't know. That was yeah. more, I don't, I don't know if that was positive, but it was definitely a well, it possibility. Is, it, it is the way of the times. I mean, in the seventies, there was no such thing as storage units. Right. The, yeah. and, and now it's, it's the biggest industry. Um, yeah, it's one of the biggest industries in America. Yeah. So hmm. we got stuff. We got lots of stuff. We got a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, I don't know if this is linked to it or I don't know if all this is residual effect of the last two years in our culture as well, but uh, we were talking about the, um, you know, the headline that we saw this past weekend of 15 people that were shot in our region and mm -hmm. four of them died within a 24 a, within hour, a 24 period. hour period. I yeah. think that was uh, either Friday into Saturday or something like that. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, man, that there is that, that reality, um, I think has been there, but we have really seen an increase, um, in violence in our cities. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's just, it's something to mourn when you hear a statistic like that, but it's also something to be for at that level, um, at least as leaders and church leaders, especially to be like, what, what can we do? Is there, is there anything we can do? You know, we're fixers. We we're, we're starters. We're entrepreneurs. We want to do something to, to fix this thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. What, what, what are your kind of initial reactions on yeah, that? First question for whoever's listening with us, how many names of your neighbors do you know? Um, I think if we can be the person of peace in our neighborhoods, and not just look for a person of peace, but be that person of peace first and really take responsibility for my street. Yeah. Um, I'm very blessed because I've got a brother uh, that we know, John, who's down the, who's down, we bookend our street. Yeah. And we've planned a lot of stuff for our, for our people. And um, we're really excited to be able to do that every time Halloween comes around, every time summer cookouts come around. My neighbor just stopped. He was, he was uh, biking down to the pier yesterday afternoon. And, and he told me, Hey, John, June 17, I got like 12 family coming in. Would you do another seafood boil this summer? And mm. so 
our neighbors are coming to us. I think that's the best. Can I get an invite to that, please? You're, okay. There you go. Okay. We're done. <laughs> yes. I see that hand. <laughs> um, so I think, I think just letting our neighbors know that we're there for them, that's the first place to start. We could have these grand events and, you know, grand strategies, which let's build it out. Let's figure that out. But what can I do today? I can I can just go see my neighbor and um, tell them I'm here if they need anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So I hear you uh, in some ways kind of calling the church to action beyond Sunday, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, in the neighborhoods, in your homes, and in, in, um, in your everyday life. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's not, that by itself is not going to eradicate violence. Um, but it does give us the opportunity to, um, be the church in our neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Um, it allows us to, um, uh, to, to encourage others to do the same because, um, that's part of having all different types of churches for all different types of people is that, um, we have a church that's downtown. We're sitting in our multiply offices right now. Um, that's why you hear babies and noises and, um, maybe some coffee grinders or something like that. Amen. Um, and, uh, and we're sitting in coalescence, which is a partner church of ours with uh, grace collective. And so, uh, we have this space down here. We have a space in East Little Creek. We have a space up in ocean view. Um, and then our house churches that are connected as well. And so um, that all different types of churches for all different types of people yep. includes the neighborhoods where some of this violence is happening. It needs That's to right. anyway, right? And yep. we need to lean into those spaces and not just plant churches in the fun parts of the city and the region. That's right. That's right. We, 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 can't, be, we can't be afraid. We've got to have boldness and courage. And the picture that I just saw as you were speaking is, a, is like a spider web and the butterfly effect, right? Like, yeah... I might not eradicate violence by uh, having a seafood boil with a few of my neighbors, but guess what? That is, that is life-changing. Those conversations are life-changing, and, and they build up relationship. And who knows what effect that's going to have on my neighbor when he goes to work um, and the relationships that he has outside of that. And so we, we got we to gotta recognize that our actions go way beyond. The, you know, the ripple effect goes way beyond just that one conversation. Yeah. So I think it's it's worth just saying we have excess in our country, we have violence in our country, and we believe that the gospel is the answer to both of those things, right? Yeah. Uh, we believe that the only way that culture is going to change is by people um, having a heart change ultimately. And uh, yes, the big headlines are there, and yes, the excesses and, and the, the couches on the corner are there, um, but all of that is an evidence of a heart issue um, that we would say resides in this broken world. And um, God's called us as Great Commission Christians to get into these hard spaces, um, have some good conversations about um, what God's done in your own life, and uh, tell your story, and uh, don't be afraid afraid to do so. And yeah, also lean into some of the, you know, um, the more political sides of things as far as how to uh, make change from within, uh, within yep. the, the constructs of the city uh, systems and those yep. kind of things as well. So uh, we're going to wrap up here with a resource roundup and um, a couple of things going on here. Uh, we're going to start with some music. So for me, uh, I don't listen to um, a, a ton of different types of music a lot anymore. Um, 
there's I go through these phases where you know are you sad right now? I mean are sometimes, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> I, so uh, what the best thing is for me is a road trip because then yes. I then I'm back into the groove. Oh That's yeah, right. I forgot about that song, the '90s hip hop and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, yep. But uh, for me though, so a lot of music for me is uh, classical music because I need something in the background going. Sometimes when I'm doing when I'm studying, I'll put my headphones in. I can't listen to words when I study; otherwise, it just I start singing them and I get messed up there so i go to just classical music um you introduced me to chill hop a few years ago um that i occasionally will listen to um and uh, me out, man. that's uh that's that's occasional for me i do enjoy um it. i think uh, i've heard that classical music makes you smarter so um that's my hope is that hey. by uh you know what's it called um osmosis or whatever sure I yep yep <laughs> we'll just get a little bit more intelligent by listening to classical music. i want to hear a sermon <laughs> prepared with classical music and then a sermon prepared with edm right <laughs> just see how different they'd be <laughs> yeah yep. okay um others other thing i think just coming up into uh, we're in lent going into holy week soon and um just some of that kind of low-key folksy rich theology mm-hmm. like um that's if i do listen to something right now that's that's kind of what i'm going to be leaning in on how about yep. you what's your music scene like right now yeah um well i was thinking the other day when i when i saw we had to answer this music question i i make a lot of my own music and so i probably 60 70 percent of the time i'm just listening to that and yeah trying to thanks for that better. by the way we don't have to pay any kind of uh uh, royalties or anything for our music on this podcast because John Slinker comes up with the majority of the bumper music. Word, appreciate, appreciate that. It. It's, yeah. It was fun. And um, <laughs> it's a gift. I think I think our God is a creator God and I just love to create. So, um, but beyond that, I listen to other, I listen to all kinds to influence. Um, but man, I, I was thinking it's getting into summer. I took maybe a month off of reggae. Um, but hey. I'm I'm like it's always reggae season for me, so I love I love good reggae and and good bass lines um, and nice. and good beats. Um, but um, I, I introduced also, my kids to Bob Marley the other day, yes, and uh, I, they were like, "What is this?" You know, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. "I got some work to do." Here. Yeah, come on, Dad. <laughs> um, but you know what? I don't know any, and this is probably my fault more than anybody's. I don't know any Christian or at least healthy reggae mm. artists. I, I've got I've got my few that I go to, right? But um, we need just, to talk to Eric Sherwood at some point. I know um, it. I know it. He's he's gave me the name of somebody, <laughs> but I, I forgot, and it was okay. You he know, has a it just it was it was okay. He also listens to Parisian reggae. Oh yeah, that's a new so, that's a new we'll thing. Let's ask him about that, that if he comes gotta, on here soon. Yeah, we got to get into that. Um, <laughs> no, we don't. But <laughs> what have <laughs> you got? <laughs> So I, I, um, how, sh- how should I say this? Oh boy. I had, so we, we went last October to Mexico right. and we were on a mission trip. We were doing training. We were partnering with this church down there. That's, um, really pursuing the core missionary task in their neighborhood. And there's a bunch of UPGs right around them a few hours. And so we were engaging with them and 
I'm starting to pick up a lot more Spanish and studying my Spanish. And I realized that the same hymns that I grew up singing in English, they were singing in Spanish. And I was being able to connect and translate the words in my heart and mind at the same time. And so I, I didn't steal a Spanish hymnal from this church, uh, but I asked if I could mm. take one. Mm-hmm. And so the pastor is this uh, willingly, time? no, this is not confession. Okay. Um, <laughs> I asked, and the pastor said, absolutely. Okay. So, uh, And he also gave me this app, uh, or told me about this app. Um, what is it called? Babble Hymnario Bautista. Oh. Uh, so if, if you want to look up. Baptist Hymnal and yeah. Spanish, all right. And so, it, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. But I'm learning Spanish through singing all these old hymns, and that's been really good. Mm. Edifying and educating. Absolutely. That's great. Well, we're going to... Go ahead and uh, head towards the end here. But just if you have any resources that you want to look up, uh, go to our website, multiplythechurch.com. Um, you'll see some of these listed on the podcast page. You'll see them on the equipping page as well. Um, that is the best place to go for our resources. We'll put some of these um, these things from the resource roundup up there as well. I may even share my classical playlist from Spotify for you <laughs> to listen to. Oh, wait. Sorry. <laughs> it does make for a good sleep, by the way. Uh, that's good. All right, so here's what we want to do. A couple things here before we end. Um, Coaster Coffee Community Egg Hunt is happening on April 9th. It's the fourth annual egg hunt, a couple years off from COVID, but uh, 10 to 1 p.m. at Ocean View Elementary School grounds up in the OV area. Coaster Coffee will be holding their community egg hunt. We're super excited to be back on this year for that on Palm Sunday weekend, not Easter Sunday weekend. Um, so that's going to be a great time to jump in, volunteer, uh, do whatever you can to be a part of Coaster Coffee Community Egg Hunt. Also, the city of Norfolk is doing a helicopter egg drop at Tarleton Elementary School and Little Creek Church, always the opportunist and always uh, the church plant heart, said, you know what, we're going to attach to their event and have a tent at their event and uh, participate in their event in that kind of way. And no doubt the folks at Little Creek will show out because that's what they do. Um, They do a great job of just being the best. Yep tent in town, the best resource place in town. Um, So they'll have a lot of fun. I think they're doing face painting as well. So that's April 9th, once again, 11 to 1 p.m. So those are happening the same day, so you got to choose. Well, I guess you don't. You can go to one. That's at Tarleton Elementary School. Um, You could go to one and come to the other, I guess. But if you're uh, volunteering, you could be at the Coaster Coffee Egg Hunt at uh, Ocean View or the Helicopter Egg Drop with Little Creek at Tarleton. Um, so those are coming up. Coalescence Coffee Company is having their gaming meetup um, that they have every um, uh, twice a month, actually, every second Sunday from 2 to 6 p.m. and every fourth Saturday as they're going to be uh, exploring new times for that. Uh, but it's mostly board games and um, and tabletop meetups, but uh, we're told that that has been wildly successful. Like A lot of people have been coming to that, and so uh, yeah. we're super excited for what's going on a lot of here at Coalescence and um, the exciting things going on with uh, the Grace Collective. Well, folks, it's time to go, Um, but we don't close our doors here. Uh, We are always going to have open doors. Uh, We're just giving you the behind the open doors scene today, but you've been listening to the Behind Open Doors podcast where we take you behind the scenes, discovering what it takes to multiply disciples, leaders, and new churches. 
Let the word dwell richly in you and may God multiply your efforts for the kingdom.